Money Roots is made possible by the support of our sponsor, Rooted Planning Group. Are you ready to take control of your financial future? Look no further than Rooted Planning Group, your trusted partner in financial well-being. At www.rootedpg.com, you'll discover a wealth of resources and expertise to help you thrive financially. Rooted Planning Group specializes in personalized financial planning, investment management, and retirement strategies. They understand that every financial journey is unique, and they're here to guide you every step of the way. With a team of experienced advisors, Rooted Planning Group is committed to helping you cultivate a secure and prosperous future. Visit www.rootedpg.com today to learn more about how Rooted Planning Group can help you grow your money roots. Today's episode of Wine and Dime is sponsored by Rooted Planning Group, a fee-only financial planning firm that believes life is about events, supported by your dollars and cents. And we want to help you achieve your goals. Hop on over to www.rootedpg.com to learn more about the services. Every week, it's my goal to share financial information that helps you in both your life and financial vineyard. We hope it takes you from your roots to the journey of your vines and the influences in the air that have helped craft your delicious life. Like wine, life and finances have different palates that should be celebrated and not judged. Hello, Wine and Dime listeners. Amy Irvine here, back to talk about the wonderful, illustrious 1040. This is part two of a five-part series. So if you're listening to this and you didn't catch part one, go on back and listen to one episode where we cover the front side of what the 1040 has on it. Now, today we are going to be talking about schedule one, which is actually sort of an extension of the front side. Schedule one is additional income and adjustments to income. So we're going to dig into that. But before we dig into that, as you recall, I want to mention the winery that I am exploring this month through. I started 2023 with an idea of I was going to travel the world with my taste buds. And I sort of did this in 2020, my husband and I did, but I enjoyed it so much that I wanted to go back to it and, and try this all over again based on some areas that I was in in 2022 and want to go to in 2024 and 2025. So just um, recapping, the winery that we are exploring this month is Pudding River. So you can go out to their website, puddingriver.com. And the wine that I am going to taste for International Women's Day, which is the day that this podcast is being released, which is March 8th, is their estate Pinot Noir. Now, it's a little pricey, I'm going to admit, but what better way to celebrate International Women's Day? For those of you that like Pinot Noirs, this one will be sure to knock your socks off. Now it's peppery, so just go in, and by peppery, I mean spicy. So if you like spicy, multi-layered flavor Pinot Noir, give this wine a try. The grapes themselves are out of the Willamette Valley. I think you're going to love it just like I do. Go enjoy, order from their website, puddingriver.com slash r dash wines. And I think you're going to enjoy it very much. Okay. Now on to the schedule one 
of the 1040. When you look at schedule one, it's actually broken down into two pieces, part one and part two. And part one is all of the additional income items. Right off the bat, it's going to ask you about taxable refunds, credits, and offsets to state and local income taxes. Well, if you itemize your tax return and you get a refund on the state side, you uh, end up having to claim that income the next year. And that's what tax taxable refunds are. Also, if you receive alimony payments, and there are, when you talk about alimony payments, not all alimony payments are deductible. So you may have been one of the, if you get to pay alimony payments, you may be able to deduct those payments. But if you receive alimony payments, you may also have to claim them. If you started or executed a separation or divorce agreement and you're making those payments before 2019, so it's um, you can't de- you can deduct it if it's before 2019, and you must claim it if it's before 2019. But if it was executed after 2019, you can't deduct it and you can't claim it. So if you happen to be before 2019 and you are receiving alimony, you do have to put that alimony received as additional income. It is taxable to you. And then you've got to put the date of the original divorce or separation agreement. Also on the additional income and adjustments to income form is the business income or loss. Now that's a whole separate schedule that we're going to dive into. So stay tuned for part five of this series because we will talk about small businesses, self proprietors, LLCs, uh, possibly even touch base tiny bit about S-Corps, but basically income that is on the Schedule C then gets carried forward to part or schedule uh, one, which then gets carried forward to the 1040. If you have any other gains or losses, then you need to attach what is form 4797. Now, form 4797 would be used if you sold a business property or something along those lines. So not a lot of people um, actually have to fill that form out, but it is there Then you also have to have any rental income. You have to put that. Um, You usually have to attach a Schedule E. Again, that gets carried forward to the Schedule 1, which gets carried forward to the 1040. Another schedule that's mentioned on Schedule 1 is uh, Schedule F, and that's for farm income or loss. So again, Schedule F gets carried forward to Schedule 1, gets carried forward to 1040. See a theme here? If you received unemployment compensation, you need to claim that, and that's going to be carried forward as well, and that's on line seven of Schedule 1. Any other income that you receive, such as an operating loss or gambling, any cancellation of debt that you may receive to 1099 for, any foreign earned income exclusion, and if you are in that boat, you would fill out a 2555. Uh, income from other resources. Uh, There's different forms that are listed there. I won't spend the time to get into that. But if you have certain other forms of income, you have to put that on Schedule 1. Also, if you're from Alaska, you have to put Alaska Permanent Fund dividends. That gets reported on Schedule 1. 
any jury duty pay gets reported on Schedule 1. If you have prizes or awards, you have to claim that. So that also gets put on Schedule 1. And then any activity not engaged in for profit income, so that's basically hobby income. So any business in which you are not looking to make a profit on, uh, but maybe as a hobby, you earn a little bit of money, it's not significant enough to file a Schedule C, that's something that you would say activity not engaged for profit income. If you get stock options and your employer doesn't have a uh, separate, they give you a separate form or they don't report it through your W-2, or if you have other stock option income, then you would put that on line 8K of Schedule 1. Any kind of income from rental or personal property, if you are engaged in the rental to, uh, for profit, but we're not in the business of renting such property. So think about Airbnbs and those kinds of things. Interesting enough, if you receive Olympic or Paralympic medals, then and USOC prize money, then that is a line line item on Schedule One as well. Now I'm not going to get into some of the specifics for it, get, it starts diving into like Section 951 income, and that's beyond the scope of this discussion. But there are a couple other kinds of incomes that you should be aware of, if, and you'll know it if you are. Also, if you take a taxable distribution from an ABLE account, understand that that is something that you maybe uh, have to pay tax on. Now, ABLE accounts are kind of like a 529 plan in a way. Uh, if you uh, have a child or an adult child that has a disability, ABLE accounts can be utilized for their benefit. And if you take a taxable distribution, then you would need to claim that as income. If there are scholarship and fellowship grants not reported on a W-2, those are incomes that you may need to report. Any non-taxable amount of Medicaid waiver payments, so this would be something that would be included on page on Form 1040, line 1A or 1D. Any kind of pension or annuity from a non-qualified deferred compensation plan or a non-government section 457 plan also needs to be uh, reported. And this is one that a lot of people don't think about, and hopefully those that are listening are not subjected to this, but wages earned while incarcerated are also considered taxable. Now, if nothing else fits into there, then you would say other income is on Line uh, 8Z, so if there's any other kind of income that you've earned, you're supposed to report it there. Once you sum all of that up, you carry it forward to the 1040 potentially, and um, and that's the, an additional number that gets added into your income. Now, on the opposite side, you can also make um, adjustments to income that are negative adjustments. So if you are an educator, you can take $250 of your education supplies and deduct them from your income. And this is not an itemized deduction. This is just an adjustment to income. If you have certain business expenses of reservists, performing artists, and fee-based government officials, you can actually deduct some of that too. You do have to fill out a separate form in addition to that. If you have a health savings account deduction, you can 
um, you can get an additional deduction for that health savings account. Now, you do have to attach, and I think I mentioned this on the income side, Form 8889, which is the healthcare um, form. So if you're looking to maximize your deductions, now that's something that can be made up until April 15th of your tax year. So if you're filing your tax return, you figure out that you have a little bit of wiggle room to make the HSA contribution you can go ahead and make that and take an additional deduction. If you have moving expenses for members of the armed forces, you may be eligible for a deduction or adjustment, excuse me, to income. Also, if you are self-employed, um, you may be you may be able to get a deduction of your self-employed, half of the deduction of your self-employment tax. And you may be able, eligible for a SEP, simple, and other qualified plan deduction as well. Uh, on that adjustment to income. If you have self-employed health insurance, you can also do a deduction on that end. There's also, um, if you have any penalty on uh, early withdrawals from savings, you can adjust your income for that. Remember I talked about alimony. If you received alimony before you signed it, had an agreement signed before 2019, you had to claim it as income. You could also claim it as an expense and that or as an adjustment to your income. So on this part two side, you can take that adjustment. If you have an IRA, a deductible IRA, you can take that as an adjustment to income. Now, the deduction amounts vary based on what your income is. If you're married, if you're single, if you're a household, if you had a retirement plan eligible for you or didn't have it eligible for you. So whether or not an IRA deductible, a IRA deduction is permitted is based on a lot of different factors, but it can be an adjustment to income and should be explored. A few other adjustments that you um, might not know about, if you had a deductible expense related to income reported on line um, AI from rental of personal property engaged for profit or a non-taxable amount of the value of the Olympic and Paralympic medals could be actually uh, reduced for your adjustments to income. There are, are several other things like repayment of supplemental unemployment benefits, contributions to 501c pension plans, contributions to uh, certain chaplains, to Section 403b plans. If you had attorney fees and court costs for actions involving certain unlawful discrimination claims, you might be able to reduce your uh, adjust your income. Attorney fees and court costs paid in connection with an award from the IRS for information you provided that is helpful for the IRS to detect uh, tax law violations. And you might be eligible for some housing deductions. Uh, you just have to go to Form 2555 and see if that's something that would be um, an option for you. Also, if there were excess deductions um, of Section 67E expenses from Schedule uh, K-1, it's probably not applicable to very many people. You're, you're going to know it if it is. I'll just throw it on there as something that would be of education to you. So that was a very quick rundown of some of the additional items and adjustments to income, both plus and minus, that might be of interest to you to explore further. If you like this podcast, please feel free to share it with your friends. We're always looking to gain the listeners and hear what you want to hear about. We love to hear 
from you. And certainly on iTunes, if you rate us, the more people that rate us, the more people that can find us. Also, feel free to follow us on LinkedIn, Instagram, and uh, Twitter. We're always posting additional information there. Again, thank you for listening for the show today. We hope you enjoyed this episode. And we would just love it if you would share this with your friends and rate us on iTunes so that people can find us just like you did. And that will about do it for today's episode of Wine and Dine. You can contact Amy through the website, www.rootedpg.com or amy at rootedpg.com. You can also follow us on Facebook and Instagram at rootedpg for the latest news. And if you have any questions, comments, or topics you would like to hear about, feel free to let us know. Don't forget to rate and subscribe the show wherever you get your podcasts. And again, thank you for listening and be sure to tune in next time.